My name is Anthony Capazzoli, and this is the Dismantled Life Podcast, where we share stories of hope, love, and strength from the darkness of addiction into the sunlight of sobriety. These are stories from people just like us who have lived through the pain and made it. Today, we'll be talking to Mr. Brian Good of SoberCoach.com. I'm really excited to have Brian come on and share his story. Tell us about what he does because it really is amazing at quite a few levels. So, Brian, welcome to the show. Anthony, thank you for having me. Of course, buddy. Um, Thank you for agreeing and we quickly put this together with working through your very busy schedule so i appreciate you carving out some time to fit me in because i think your story is a great one and an important one to tell so this is going to be exciting so why don't we start out with just that a little bit about who you are well sure so actually you caught me on um a recovery coaching session when i was out in colorado so glad that i had the time to notice your invitation and you know that session was just like all the others there's there's always progress um sometimes we have tremendous progress and sometimes there's only a little bit of progress and sometimes you know it's kind of up to the man upstairs it's a great trip uh but to answer your question sober coaching recovery coaching it is about helping the individual progress with their recovery and helping them reach goals. I do notice that a number of individuals that are unwilling to go to rehab or uh, can't afford rehab or simply are not ready to go to rehab yet, reach out to us as a compromise with their family. And then we have a number of people who maybe have not found the right sponsor or who have not uh, been able to go to meetings or just don't have time to go to meetings that want somebody to work with to keep pushing forward with their recovery. Um, Now, I understand that that's very, very broad. And as you know, there are life coaches, guys like, you know, amazing guys like Tony Robbins or the late Todd Marshall, coaches that help people throughout life. So we do the same thing, except it's focused exclusively on recovery. So recovery coaching is designed to not only help people stay sober, but have them learn about themselves, um, have them learn about their lives, their history, and have them determine how they're going to go forward feeling good about themselves at all times so they can stay sober, so they can work in recovery and stick with it. And before we dive in, because I have uh, a few questions around your process and how you help folks, maybe a good place to start is a little bit about your background uh, in recovery yourself, actually. I think it'd be interesting for listeners to learn a little bit about that. I've always been a big believer that some of us are born with an addictive personality. Like, you know, if we're an addict, in many, many cases, it starts out that way from a young age. And I always remember having an addictive personality. I was a great guy and I had a wonderful life, but I had an addictive personality. And I feel that when that 
kind of morphed into that age to where you're old enough to be surrounded by substance abuse or alcohol and you're at that age to where you can obtain it the first thing i did was i went and obtained it so you know maybe i had some pain and suffering that i had to blot out by drugs and alcohol or maybe the drugs and the alcohol created the pain and suffering or possibly the two happened at the exact same time but anthony it happened at a very very young age by the age of 15 i was addicted to pot and by the age of 16 i had tried every psychedelic every type of alcohol and every type of drug that there is i also felt the consequences going to three different high schools um having all sorts of problems at home not being able to identify them not knowing how to quit uh being completely unwilling to take any type of outside suggestions whatsoever on how to pull back on the drugs and the alcohol and by the age of 18 i had bottomed out i had bottomed out from the usage of amphetamines and cocaine i believe that is what made me bottom out when i checked into my first treatment center i was 127 pounds Um when I left that center I was 160. Today I'm 190 and I look pretty good. So, you know, that should give you an idea of how sick I was. Ultimately, I went through four different treatment centers. These four centers all helped me in different ways. I met amazing people. Some of them were extremely devoted to recovery and were there because they wanted to be there. and some of them could care less i was kind of always in between and it was my fourth center that i went to in california to where i had lost everything in most cases when people get clean and sober they lose everything that's just the nature of the deal what we try to do obviously is to work with people so they don't have to lose everything i give people my example and i tell them you don't have to lose everything to take that first step and usually they understand that but for me i had to lose everything and my first 48 hours in rehab i was in complete denial i felt you know i you know i i didn't think i should have been there um i had some legal charges pending and my attorney told me to go there I didn't think I had a problem with drugs or alcohol. I just felt that every time I used bad things happened. And it took a couple of days, but when it finally clicked, I was sitting in the front row. I was participating with every lecture. I was listening and I finally, and this was at the age of 23, I'm 42 today, at the age of 23, I finally came to the conclusion that I would never ever be able to drink or use like a normal person. And you know what? It wasn't heartbreaking, it wasn't upsetting, and I don't miss using and I didn't miss it then, but if anything it was a relief because I finally determined that the cause of my problem, the root of this insanity was that I was trying to do something that my body and my brain and my life and my higher power were completely rejecting it was impossible for me to drink and use and live a normal life 
I could not make normal decisions. I, you know, my results were I had these pending drug charges. I was living on an ex-girlfriend's couch. I was going to sleep with the bottle. I mean, I had lost absolutely everything, no credit, no money, no business. I was living with my suitcases and the insanity, the insanity of the whole thing. I got to tell you, Anthony, I will never forget. I had this amazing family that was saying, if you just go to rehab willingly, if you just get help willingly, we'll help you. And I said to them over and over, and this is just typical alcoholic addict stuff. You hear this in every meeting. I said to them over and over, no, I'm going to do it on my own when I'm ready. I'll figure it out when I'm ready. Bam. I hit that bottom and I got to the point where I had absolutely no choice but to get help. We try to help people avoid the situation I got into. We try to get them to be clean and sober through experience through intelligence through hearing the right thing and opposed to having to damage and nearly destroy their lives completely before choosing to get help i love that i think that's a wonderful approach i I do have a question what was the turning point as you were sitting in the front row four days in when you finally decided that enough was enough was something said did something click did a light bulb go off what what was that moment for you where i call it the everything and nothing moment in in the on the show here it's not a medical term but it just means that something switched like you said it doesn't have to be rock bottom but what was it for you that clicked or whatever it was that helped you make that choice to say today was the, I'm done. Sure. So this particular treatment center, and I think many treatment centers do this, but this particular center, uh, once you stay there for four or five days, they allowed you to, or they maybe require you to get up in front of the uh, entire room, in front of everybody that's there and to tell your story. And when you tell your story, people give you feedback and you have the option to call on people and all that. It was my turn. And I went right after this girl, uh, this girl named Kelly. Of course, I'm going to leave her last name out yeah, for anonymous reasons. Kelly, amazing girl from the Midwest. I'll never forget. She got up and she told her story with a beautiful smile and this and that. And she sugarcoated it and she made it sound wonderful and she made it perfect. And everybody was, you know, raising their hand and she was calling on them. And then they said, Brian, good, it's your turn. And I went and sat up at the front of the room and I scanned the room and I looked at everybody. I said, I'm going to tell my story and I will not be taking questions. I'm not here to entertain anybody. I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here to have fun. And I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And I'm going to leave it at that. And I'm going to walk out and I'm going to have a cigarette. And that's the end of it. And everyone just looked at me and they gave me 30 minutes to go from 18 years old to 23 years old to talk about every person I hurt, every person that has ever hurt me, every drug that I've ever done. I got down into the nitty gritty until things, things that I wouldn't even want to discuss unless I had a client one-on-one and we had tremendous rapport. I mean, heavy duty stuff. And I sat up there and I got into it and there were people in the audience with tears running down their face and an individual, I will never forget this guy. He was the, the leader 
of the building that I lived in in Laguna Beach, he was our house manager. He ended up relapsing and dying of a heroin overdose about eight years ago. I love that guy with all my heart. And he was partially responsible for my sobriety today because he taught me how to do things I couldn't even do. I mean, I couldn't even make a sandwich at the time. Okay. And this guy taught me how to do that. So during this session, when I'm speaking about myself and I'm getting into it and people are crying and I'm up there and I am being brutally honest, which was the tipping point, honesty, brutally honest for the first time in my life, that individual, his name was Bob. Bob was sitting there and he was writing down on the board. I have no idea what he was writing down. Maybe he was just checking off that I was, you know, doing my, you know, my personal, my personal, the personal speech. Maybe he was just checking off that I was doing it thoroughly, but he had this look on his face and he had this little grin and that grin was, you know, I've been there. That grin was this guy really wants to get clean and sober. Or maybe that grim was, wow, we finally have a patient at this center that really wants this and that is really doing it right. So to answer your question, my tipping point was watching this man who I loved, who was no longer with us, acknowledge the fact that I was going so deep into my problems, my recovery, I put everything on the table. There was nothing to hide. Everything was on the table. Everybody could see it. The ugliest things in the world that was all right then and there. And I got done speaking after a half an hour and I just sat back and I felt the best that I have ever felt in my entire life. And to this day, when I speak in meetings, every day when I go to a meeting, I speak. I still get just a little tiny trickle just a little bit of a feeling that I felt that day. And it was one of the best days of my life. And that was the tipping point. That's fantastic. Doing the show in a selfish way. For me, I do the show to help others find the path to sobriety, stay on the path to sobriety, or get back on the path to sobriety, whatever that means to them. And selfishly, I think I've gotten more out of hosting the show than the show has given to people. And I feel bad about that sometimes, but it's so cathartic and wonderful for me. So I feel I'm, I feel bad because my intent, I feel like I'm not giving enough and the show gives me so much. So I love hearing what you're saying because that giving, that the honesty, the giving, the transparency, all those things are wonderful and a critical step for any recovery, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And so now- Tell, I'd love to learn a little bit more or have you share a bit about what you're doing today because I really think it's extremely fascinating. Thank you. I love my work. I do love it because I am helping others. But, you know, if you're a true alcoholic addict, as you mentioned, helping others, it isn't like we wake up in the morning and say, you know, ah, who can I help today? I mean, we're helping people. We're focused on us. It is a selfish program. And they do say in AA that it is a selfish program. I am in this job. I have this occupation today because I am so incredibly good at helping others. And I love it so much, but I love it because it feels good. And I am that guy that loves to feel good. 
So the easiest, softest way for me to have an incredible recovery and to even have a great day is to help somebody, even if it's just a mother or a father calling in who just wants a little bit more information to yeah. take 20 minutes out and go into what we do helps me. So the root of my job and my occupation is focused around the fact that this program, the program of recovery only works and certainly works best if we are helping others. So, you know, it's just like if you're a sponsor, you know, I mean, a lot of times people may say to me, wow, you make a great sponsor. Well, I mean, the truth is, you know, sponsorship, when the sponsor is available, when the sponsor is ready, if and when he's ready to work with you, he's going to work with you. We're obviously, you know, like a sponsor on steroids and we're available to our clients on call 24-7. I mean, that is the main difference. So helping others is the root of this occupation. And whether I enjoyed helping others or not, it's going to help me stay sober. And I just so happen to love helping people because, you know, when you, you know you've done something good for somebody and you spent so many years of your life doing the wrong thing and hurting others, hurting others, just crushing people. And then now, you know, you have the opportunity to turn that around 160, 180, 360%, just to get it behind you and to look in the mirror and know that somebody just gave you a hug with tears running down their face, thanking God that they met you because you changed your life. There isn't anything better than that. It is as good as it gets. And it is a gift that I have that I'm in this position today that I can do that. I mean, you can go to school your entire life. You can be worth a hundred billion dollars and have nobody like you because you don't know how to help people. But when you've been through what I've been through, the massive rebound from that pain and suffering, the rebound is where I'm at today. This is a rebound. And where I'm at today is the absolute best situation that I can be in with what I know. I take all my street experience, I take all my drug experience, all the pain and suffering I've caused people, and that all the you know all the knowledge that I have from Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, and from doing hundreds of interventions, I can take all of that and put that into a little box and put it on the table in front of an individual and change him, whether he's willing or not. And that is what makes this occupation amazing. One of the things we talked about on the phone prior to today was one of the strategies. And I'd love to have you talk about how you mentioned, just put it down for a while. You can go back to it. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I just wanted to give you an idea of which part of the conversation I was referencing. Because I think that I, I've been thinking about that a lot, and I think what a brilliant strategy. And with my, I, I do it with my kids all the time. I just say, "Look, we have this to do now. You can go back to that later if you want to, whatever it might be." And I think that you, it struck a chord because I know how effective that strategy actually is. Absolutely, and I do recall that conversation I had with you. One thing I mentioned to an individual about a year and a half ago, who just 
was not ready and it's okay because it takes a lot sometimes to be ready. Sometimes it just takes the right sentence, which happens all the time. And that's great too. And I told this individual that the drugs and the booze, the booze, especially, but you know, the drugs and the booze are not going anywhere. Okay. Pain also wasn't going anywhere unless you worked on it, but the substances were not going anywhere. And what I wanted him to do was to take a very, very small break, a very short break of a couple days to just see how he feels and trust somebody else. Now, I pointed out to this individual, it's been proven over and over in his life that we knew what was going to happen when he drank and when, when he used. We already knew that. And, you know, I told him I understood that it felt good. And I, I know that, you know, that escape is all we know. But my job was to remind him and others that there are other ways to do this. And in his case, we had to break it down to just tiny, tiny, tiny baby steps. And step number one was hitting the pause button on the drugs and the alcohol. And I told him, I said, I'm not going to stop him from drinking and using. I said, and I would not knock him if he had to go back to it. And if he chose to go back to it, that's what we do. I mean, we don't know any better. I'm more surprised when somebody chooses to stay clean and sober. I'm not surprised when an alcoholic addict picks up. So I told him that, hey, you know, let's see what happens, but we're going to go a couple days without it. And inside those couple days, this guy, and I mean, I think I was staying at his house with his family. And, you know, I, I told him, I said, I'm not going to physically stop you from leaving. But what we all want is for you to take that short break. And inside that short break, fortunately, he didn't have to detox from the substance he was using. But inside that short break, he got to realize one thing and one of the most important things. There are other ways to get serotonin. There are other ways to smile and to feel good without putting yourself in a position to go to jail, to wreck your family, to lose all your money, or to practically get killed. There were other ways. In this case, we were playing Madden football. We spent three days doing nothing but playing Madden football and talking about my war stories. He listened to me. My war stories, Madden football, and he was enjoying himself. That guy's got nine months sober today, and he did stay sober a couple weeks after that conversation. I think he found a roach in his apartment, you know, like a little marijuana roach, and he smoked it, and it got him back into using meth and that whole thing. And we did that circle and that circle is common and that circle and that cycle is okay. As long as you have somebody watching over you, you know, it's not what I want. I didn't want the guy to ever use again, but a couple of weeks after I left him, he used again, but you know what he told me? And, and this was only two months ago. He told me for some reason after he decided to pick up and drink after being properly introduced to the program, after being broken like a Mustang, it was never the same. And I sat back and I just smiled. I think I had tears in my eyes because it's just like when you go away to treatment 
and you pay attention and you do the right thing and you get out and you go to have that drink or, you know, that drug, it is never the same. So an impact was made on that individual's life by doing what I didn't want to do. Of course, I'd rather have the guy never pick up again or, or, you know, come to meetings with me or get into it or start working on his fourth step with me. I couldn't get him to do that because he was too deep into it. I had to get like my only option was for him to take small little baby steps and know that he was probably going to go back to drinking and use him because I told him it was okay to do because we had no choice. But you know what? That was the strategy we took with that individual client. All clients are different. Every situation is completely different. You know, we know what to do. We know what to do to at least give the person that best chance. And that was one of a thousand stories. <laughs> How do people find you if they would like to earn your help? They're more than welcome to go to our website, sobercoach.com. I have found that the vast majority of the people that we work with are referrals from treatment centers from people that either A, call in and can't or don't want to go, or people that leave and that, you know, can't go to enough meetings or don't want to go to meetings, or they just simply like the idea of meeting with a sober coach face-to-face or working on Zoom. But if they don't come from the center and they're coming from the show or they're coming off of the internet, they could just go to sobercoach.com, call our number, one of us will answer and they can ask for Brian. Brian, it was wonderful to have you on the show, share your story, and I am looking forward. I will have links and access to your show, or rather to your website, also on dismantledlife.com, or rather, geez, I'm all turned around here this morning, on dismantled.life in your episode notes from the podcast itself, as well as on the page I create dedicated to this particular episode. So they'll be able to find you there as well or sobercoach.com. But it's been wonderful getting to know you and I look forward to many more episodes to come. Anthony, thank you very much for having me. Have a wonderful day and God bless. You too, buddy. Thank you.